Hello, you're listening to the first episode of our new San Juan Unified Student Podcast. I'm your host, Nanak Tagore. Today we will be interviewing our district superintendent, Kent Kern. We apologize for the quiet audio on the other end. Let's dive right into the interview. Hello, Kent. Welcome in. Morning, Nanak. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited. Yeah, of course. Uh, let's let's dive right into uh, a little warm-up activity here. Um, what's your favorite color? Blue. Yeah, I mean, everyone loves blue. Uh, what's your favorite song? Oh, wow, that's a good one. Probably um, It's Tricky by Run DMC. Nice. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Sandlot. It's classic. Love uh, the Sandlot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite character in the Sandlot? Uh, Smalls, absolutely. It's got to be Smalls. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite TV show? Favorite TV show is right now, um, and my kids hate that I watch it. It's called The Curse of Oak Island. It's a bunch of guys trying to find this lost treasure, and it's been going on forever, and they really haven't found anything. And my kids are like, why are you still watching this? How, so, many, how many seasons are there? Uh, there's probably about season eight, seven or eight. Uh, <laughs> so That's awesome. Oh, what's been your favorite quarantine activity this last year? Favorite quarantine activity has probably been, um, I've been playing more Fortnite than I normally do. Um, I'm terrible at it. My son laughs at it, but uh, I, I get a couple wins each season. But yeah, probably playing more Fortnite than usual. That is something that uh, I know students have talked about too. So what actually got you into that, playing playing video games like that? Well, I've already always kind of played video games. I've liked them. It kind of just lets you kind of forget everything else that's going on. Um, but my son started playing it, and I liked watching him play it. And so I just I started playing it. Um, <clears throat> I'm terrible at building. Um, but I, it's, it's just fun, you know, I, and I do more of the challenges. And my daughter was joking the other day that I spent the first season hiding in trees and bushes, so that's why I'm not very good. But uh, I just enjoy it. That's awesome. So uh, to move forward here, we have some student questions that we picked up from the SASAC Instagram. Um, the first one being, will juniors take the PSAT at the same time as other schools? So it's unlikely that the PSAT, I think there was already a time when it was supposed to happen. <clears throat> that didn't happen in our district and probably not in others because it really is supposed to take place in person. Uh, I was talking with our assistant super secondary and he told me that the PSA 10 which is for sophomores, is hopefully going to be given this spring. We're maybe looking at March. And that we also are looking at the same time that we could take, that the juniors could take the SAT as well. So as of right now with the restrictions, we, we don't have a hard, yes, that'll be taken. But in looking forward, we think we're going to be able to offer that this spring, maybe in March or April. Yeah, and are, are teachers encouraging the SAT as far as you know, or uh, PSAT and SAT, are they are teachers encouraging that for students? You know, I, I don't know a whole lot if they are. I know one of the things that the universities have kind of said, we're not going to use that as a metric, but I know there are some scholarships that are still tied into that. Um, and I know there are still some places that are giving the SAT in person. I actually had a nephew who's a senior this year, and he traveled out of state to take it. Um because he couldn't find anywhere in, in California to take it. So I, I think folks are encouraging it, but they're also saying, hey, it's not what it used to be. You do not have to take that. And and, and the universities aren't going to look at it the way they have in the past. Yeah, because I know so, some students actually benefit from taking the SAT too, because 
it's they might not be as strong in the classroom, but that's a way to show colleges that they can't sit down and they know their stuff. And maybe they're not getting like that as high of a GPA, but I think that's going to be missed. So I definitely hope that students will be able to take that. Uh, why? So here's another question from the students. Um, why are you so quick to open up schools since we are in a pandemic right now? So I would say that we're almost at 11 months in the pandemic. Um, and so I would say that we haven't been quick to open schools. I think once the conditions are safe, I, I, I want to open schools. And it really is because as I hear from students, students and my superintendent, students advisory council, as I talk to other students, as we hear, have students address the board, there are a lot of needs that are not met through social, um, through our distance learning that we need to get students back. When we talk about social emotional needs, the interaction with other students, we can't replicate that through distance learning. And so I think it's really important that when it is safe that we can get students back to some in-person learning. I think um, if we can get back and students can participate in clubs, um, extracurricular activities like sports, whether it's band, whether it's the arts, those are all things that are really important. You know, I know you're involved in sports at your school and not having that, that that's a big part of who you are. You know, I played sports in high school as well. That was a big part of who I was. So uh, it, I think it's important to get kids back just so they can have that experience of what they know. You were also a high school basketball coach too, so you understand what kids are missing though, with the sports and the activities, right? Yeah, I, I really do. You know, I played high school basketball. Um, I coached high school basketball. Uh, my son, who's now playing football in college, although not this year, he played basketball, football, and baseball his, in high school. And I know how important that was to him. And if he hadn't been able to play his junior year and his senior year, he wouldn't be playing football in college right now. <clears throat> so I know, I know how much that takes away. And whether it's theater, my daughter was involved in theater. All of those things are so important to students. Do you currently have a timeline as far as what's your goal to get us back into school? You know, we, we, we have an agreement with our teachers association that when we, when we came to that agreement, which was in November, um, that we would return once we were in the red tier and to be in the red, red, and we have to be there for two weeks. The red tier is once we get to seven cases per hundred thousand. At the, in early January, Sacramento County was at about 56, 58 cases per 100,000. Yesterday, I look at it every day, we were at 21.4. That's a little different than the state metric, but the way we're trending, I'm, I'm getting hopeful that we might hit that number in, in that towards February, the end of February, which means we could come back in mid-March, which would be awesome. We could get a couple weeks before spring break, and then the last, you know, that last quarter last two and a half three months we would have students in person for part of the time i know that's something that we're all looking forward to so we really hope that that's how how it all plays out so our our next question has been uh, a topic that a lot of kids like would like to be addressed to uh, about dress codes so why are dress codes more directed towards girls especially girls who are more more developed it's a really good question and and it's it's not one that i i i know specifically the answer to. I think a lot of our dress codes were put together 20 plus years ago. Um, I, you know, a lot of them have, they address gang attire, they address, you know, no hats, they address a lot of these things that aren't even really problems anymore. And I don't know that we've adjusted them. And I think also they are very slanted in terms of uh, pointing out negativity towards girls. I think the reality is I don't know that I 
have all the history as, as why they are that way. I think what we need to do, and we actually had this conversation, Malik, I think we had this conversation even last year in SSAC, and we were talking about, you know, trying to move that, that needle a little bit, and then the pandemic hit and everything else is going on, and I think it's kind of taken away from that focus. But I think we need to really modify that, um, that dress code as we go forward and not have it be this punitive mindset, especially towards towards our girls. Yeah, dress codes has been something you guys have tried to tackle before, and I think it would be great to circle back on that because, like you said, they haven't been revised in so long. So I definitely think that would be a great idea. Yeah. And I would say this, Nodic, I think this is an area where we really can involve students. Um, because again, we've got a lot of adults that wanna wanna speak from their perspective, but we don't always ask the students, well, how is this impacting you? And so I think as we move this conversation forward, it really needs to be um, driven in and impacted by students at the schools. I, I agree 100%. So our, our next question was, how can how can students transfer schools uh, to different districts if they need if because they want um, in, in person learning? Yeah, and it's not something that I, I want to see, but I completely understand it and respect people. So to go from one district to the other, you have to file an interdistrict transfer. Um, and so there are some schools in Placer County that are open. Um, El Dorado County, those would be a little further away. And so a student could go get an interdistrict transfer, file that with that school district. And I don't know at this time if they're accepting interdistrict transfers. We're not denying interdistrict transfers. Um, so, so an individual would just have to go through that process and work with the district that they want to go to. Do you have any advice for students that may be considering um, a district transfer? Do you have any advice for those students? I would just say, if you feel that's a, a move you need to make, then then do it. I'm not going to discourage you from doing that. I hope that when we get back to in-person learning, whether that's later this year or next year, hopefully where we're back to normal, that you come back to us. But I'm always going to expect uh, respect people's choice on the matter of this. Oh, that that's really great. Um, so here's some other questions that we've been we wanted to ask you today. Um, just going back to March, uh, can you walk us through that experience of when you had to shut down the schools? I know that was a really hard decision for you. Yeah, that was kind of a crazy day. Um, Elk Grove Unified had closed the week before, but that was kind of a preliminary closure that they closed based on metrics that the rest of us weren't watching. It really didn't affect the rest of the state. And I got up early, I remember it was Friday the 13th, and the news was that LA Unified, San Diego Unified, a bunch of big districts in Southern California were closing. And we knew that it was just gonna kind of be this tidal wave across the state. So I picked up the phone really early at the start of the day. I called Dave Gordon, who was the county superintendent. And I said, Dave, are you, are you aware of what's going on? He was. I said, I feel like we need to get all the districts together and have a conversation. I said, I'm already getting calls from my labor groups. And I knew what was gonna happen was there was gonna be significant pressure. Um, so the day really started with a phone call with all of the superintendents of the county stating that, you know, what were we gonna do? If one of us started to close, uh, it was gonna just be this domino effect. Oak Grove is the largest district in Sac County. Us in Sac City are kind of the second largest. 
Twin Rivers is behind us. Uh, I have a pretty close relationship with the superintendent from Elk Grove as well as Twin Rivers and some of the others. And they were saying, Kent, if you're gonna close, we're gonna follow suit. And so I think at that time we saw what was happening. Um, we reached out to our labor leaders. Uh, I had to be communicating with every one of the board members. So I was making phone calls to all of them, making sure they were aware of what was happening. Um, I have the authority to do that, but I report to the board. I have five bosses. So I needed to make sure that I had their support as well. So it was just a whirlwind day. I mean, it probably started at 6.30 in the morning. Um, we were in the boardroom that day because we weren't social distancing. We had a group of leaders in the district, um, communications folks, um, the union representatives from other groups, and we were all sitting together because we were trying to craft a message about that. And um, the interesting thing is I think the the, the news outlets were, were calling us like very quickly because they were seeing what was happening. And so I think they actually reported that we were closing before we could even get the message out to our community, which is never the way we want it. Um, but it, it was a pretty stressful, pretty crazy day. Yeah, I mean, to, to touch back on that too, it's like you said that you guys were in the boardroom, not social distancing, no mask. It's crazy to think about like after that March 13th day, it's like, our whole lives like basically changed. It's like we went from normal life to mask, social distancing, quarantining. It's like it was like a complete flip. I mean, that must be crazy. And just uh, just to ask you right now while we're on it, um, what's been the biggest shift um, from how it was to how it is now in the boardroom, having to follow protocol and that? Well, I, I think you hit it because when we closed that day, we thought we were closing till spring break, theoretically. And then as conditions started to get worse, okay, it was the end of the year. But, you know, I just look at, um, you know, I, many of us were slow to wear masks right away. You know, I mean, I, it wasn't, we, we didn't see the impact of this because it, the, the conditions weren't even as bad or close to as bad as they are now. Um, but yet we closed over those conditions. And I think the biggest change has just been, we realize that if we're going to make a difference on this pandemic, we really need to follow the guidelines and the rules. You know, we need to make sure that we're wearing a mask. We need to make sure we're social distancing. So here at the district office, I, I, I don't work well at home. I get too distracted. And Nanak has seen this between my dogs as we've done the SSACs or whatever else is going on. Um, so I come into work every day. But there's, there's not a lot of people that are working here. Um, people are working remotely. And, and if they can, they are, if they can't, then they're coming into work. So that, that's been a big change here just in the district office. I've had teachers that they, they still go to their classroom to hold their Zoom classes too, just because it kind of makes them feel like they're in their classroom. So it kind of helps like get away from the home life because their, their, their kids are at home. So it makes it a little bit easier to just to, to teach from there. It's a quieter environment, but it does feel weird. There's no students there. So it's like, it's just something, something's missing. Yeah. yeah it, no, I think if I was still teaching, I would be teaching from my classroom. And, and I'm still trying to visit schools, but not as much as I normally would, which I really miss. Um, but, you know, some schools have more teachers teaching at them for whatever reasons. Um, others don't. And really, it's just whatever teachers are comfortable with. Yeah, something that our school has done at San Juan that we really like is they've done like different like drive-throughs where they drive through like or senior pickup stuff like that. So 
students can still kind of get the interaction, but it's still safe because they're in their car, they were in their mask. And I mean, I encourage other schools to do the same thing. Just kind of have those um, those events, keep them as safe as possible, of course, but still have some sort of normalcy, like with everything. Yeah. Uh, what does the day-to-day look like for you as our district superintendent and what's, what, what does that look like for you? So day-to-day, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of responsibilities because I oversee 40,000 students. Uh, we have a budget of over 400 million. We have over 5,000 employees. So it, it can depend day-to-day. I, every Monday I start with a meeting with my cabinet. We meet from 8.30 to noon. And we kind of are, are going over the major issues that are currently going on in the district, whether they're initiatives. We're still doing that even in the pandemic. It just seems like there are less issues we're dealing with. Um, I meet with a lot of community groups. Yesterday morning, I started off with a meeting with our Carmichael Kiwanis. We have a lot of former employees in that group. Um, I did a presentation with them on where we currently are. I meet with a lot of political folks downtown um, I try and interact with the community. Normally, I would be going to schools. I try and visit every school at least once a year. Uh, some are easier to get to than others. Secondary schools seem easier to get to because of, they have more activities. I like to go to the sporting events on Friday nights sometimes. Um, and so it, it's just, it's, it's a lot of that. We've got so many different departments. I, I have one-on-ones with cabinet members. Um, so a lot of meetings are a part of what I do. I meet with each of the board members once a month. I meet with the board president twice, uh, twice a month. But it's frequent that I will be talking with each of the board members, you know, weekly. I meet with our labor partners. Um, so just a lot of trying to build relationships and connect with people. I think the thing that's really different now is I really miss visiting schools. Uh, you know, it's great going out to schools, walking through classrooms. Uh, my, I got into education because I really enjoyed kids. And when I first came here to the district office, I was like, what was I doing? I'm missing the kids. Um, and, and so I still try and get out to the schools, but that's not happening right now. And, and so I spend a lot more time on zoom like you guys are and, uh, just really missing the, the, the connection with different people. I had a parent meeting the other night and I was really excited and I told the group, it's just so nice to see different people. I'm sick and tired of the same people I'm seeing day in, day out. And so the change of faces was just really nice. Yeah, Zoom must be your best friend too. You've been hopping on and off meetings all day, probably, yeah. Yep. Um, what's been the biggest challenge for you last year? I think the biggest challenge was, well, closing schools was was a huge challenge. But then actually just dealing with people who felt like we should open up the schools. And then I would say it's really been the biggest challenge, even continuing and people coming to us almost with the mindset that we don't care about kids with, if you cared about kids, you'd already have them back in school. If you've done this, you know, you know, we have people daily sending emails saying you need to resign or telling the board they should step down. Um, Just lots of really, really angry people, which, which is challenging because we do care about students. We care about kids. I also have to care about the 5,000 employees we have. If, if we had been reckless and people had come back and employees had died, that, that would be on me. <clears throat> and so, you know, we take that seriously, um, but just kind of dealing with, with the negativity. And I get it because 
if I was a parent, and my kids are in college, so it's not the same level, but if I was a parent with young kids or high school age kids and I was dealing with all of the challenges that they're faced with, I probably would be upset and angry as well. So I understand where they're coming from. It's just really hard because these people, they really don't know me and they don't know what I'm about, but yet they, they have strong opinions on, on what they think I should do. I mean, it's actually flipped. It's like you guys care about the students. That's why you want to keep them safe. You don't want to see anyone get sick or even anyone die because this, this, this virus is very, very dangerous and people need to understand that for sure. Yeah. Um, how did you become the superintendent of San Juan Unified School District? So I started in this district. Uh, actually, I started even before I was a teacher. I was a, a middle school basketball coach while I was in college, and I was intramurals at middle school. So I started way back when I was in my early, probably 20s. Um, became a teacher, was a teacher for a number of years, and then just kind of slowly progressed. Became a middle school VP, a middle school principal. And then after a number of years, I moved over to the district office, um, worked as overseeing middle schools and elementary schools. And then over a course of a number of years, I, I had a, a number of different jobs. I worked in safe schools. I worked in the facilities department. I oversaw that. I worked in human resources. And then I became the assistant superintendent overseeing all the business departments. And when the previous superintendent, we, we had kind of a rocky situation take place where the district was um, sued by a number of employees. Uh, 15 employees sued the previous superintendent. He ended up stepping aside. There was a year where myself and somebody else was kind of the interim, and, and then he stepped aside, um, and the district chose to do an interview process, which was a little different than normally. Normally, they do a national search. This time, they chose to, to do only an internal search, which probably helped my chances because um, I was in a, a very senior leadership position. <clears throat> Um, and, you know, there were a lot of people that said, this isn't the, uh, a place for a brand new superintendent. You should probably start somewhere else and then move into this. But uh, the, the board chose me. They selected me as the superintendent, which is about, I don't know, about almost seven, eight years ago. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I feel blessed. I got an amazing leadership team that I work with. I've got a, a great board and that's how I got the job. What do you think is one of your biggest successes from the, this, these last years of you being superintendent? I think a couple of things. Um, really, when I equity is a big focus of the district. Um, I created a director of equity, and we have an entire equity department now. I think that started to move the work. Um, the, our relationships with our, our labor partners, especially our teachers association, was not great. Um, and in the last number of years, we have built a very, very strong relationship. I believe that if we're not working together, then we're constantly fighting. And there's actually a local district where in Sacramento where that's the case, and they're never getting anything done. Um, in fact, just recently, uh, the new Secretary of Education at the national level received some information about our district and how we're working together. So those are successes. The other thing I would say is, We've really tried to enhance student voice. I think this is a good example. We started the SSAC about four years ago, and you guys are just kind of taking off and what you guys are going to are accomplishing. And even I, I think five, 10 years from now, this group is going to have a really strong voice, not just with the superintendent, but with the board. And that's, I, that's where I hope we go with this. So going off of that with the SSAC group, um, 
which I am I am a part of. Um, why is it important to get student voice heard? And can you describe a little bit about um, a little bit about that SSAC group and why you started it? Yeah, really, I, I was actually motivated to start it by a superintendent from Long Beach Unified, Chris Steinhauser, who just retired last year after like 17 years as their superintendent. And I, I was part of a group and Chris was telling us about what he was doing. And I, I was just, I was kind of inspired and said, it's time for us to really put action to what we say. And so we need to have a group of students that come together and have an opportunity to share with me they can generate initiatives. We kind of have a budget that they can even focus on some of these initiatives. And the reason why it's so important is because too often we have adults telling us what kids need. And I think what's changed so much in the last 10 to 15 years is students are can be their own advocates. I don't need your parents to tell me what you need, Nanak. You can yeah. tell me what you need, as well as other students. <clears throat> and it's okay to hear from the parents, and I love hearing from the parents, but you guys have a unique perspective. You have a unique voice. You guys are becoming advocates. I look at what students have done across this country around conversations about gun violence or equity issues. And those have been driven by students. So again, it is so important for us to hear. We had an amazing conversation back in January about learning loss mitigation. And that conversation got me so fired up. You guys shared some ideas at that meeting that I've taken to other groups and you guys are going to impact what we do this summer, what we do this spring, even next year in terms of supporting students. And one of the initiatives of your um, SASAC group is creating the scholarship. Um, can you give some more details on that and explain that to any students listening? Yeah, so um, I've, I've always wanted to have a scholarship fund for students in the district. <clears throat> And actually, I just I shared with the Kiwanis yesterday about this. I shared with the board because I, I kind of want to see if we can blow this thing up even a little bit more this year. So I committed to set aside a certain amount of money from now till the time I'm no longer on this earth. Because to, to get things big, you got to start small. So I said, let's start this. But I wanted it to be about the students. So when I shared with our group that day, Nanak, I said, hey, I want you guys to come up with the criteria, which you guys already have. I want you guys to figure out how we're gonna advertise this, which we're still kind of figuring all those details out. And I want you guys to be the really the selection process. So the SSAC is going to receive all those applications ultimately, and they'll decide. We're up to at least three $500 scholarships. My guess is that's going to grow in the coming weeks and hopefully we can offer somewhere between five and 10 this year. And then in years to come offer more and more. So it's really about an opportunity to support students um, in whatever their next phase is. It's not just for kids that are going to college. And that was because you guys called that out. You didn't want it to be just for students that were necessarily um, going to college or university. You talked about maybe students are going in the military. Maybe students have some other initiative they wanted to start. And so it's really just about supporting students at that next phase. So I'm excited about it. Um, I think we're going to grow this thing over the coming years. And, and ultimately, I would love to see where we could get to the point where we're offering at least one $1,000 scholarship for every high school in our district. I think that that's an amazing initiative, and um, I'm definitely proud to be a part of that. So for those of who have seen you, maybe on Zoom or in person, know that you've been growing growing a beard. Um, can you explain what motivated that and just a little bit, a little bit about that, please? Yeah, so as Nanak and I have kind of talked, I, I, 
I do follow sports as he does as well. And often you'll see, it seems like it's mainly hockey players and baseball players. They'll get in the playoffs and they start growing these playoff beards. Well, when we got into to November, we were hoping to bring kids back in December. And when the situation kind of turned and we realized we weren't going to be able to open in January, I decided to start growing a beard until we get kids back to school. So my motivation, I'm not a beard guy, I don't love it, is that as soon as we get kids back in school, I'm shaving this thing off. Although my wife kind of likes it now, so maybe it'll stay, who knows. Um, but that was my motivation to start was it was kind of like my playoff beard. And just to say, hey, I'm committed um, to getting kids back into school as soon as we can. No, oh, that, that's really fun. Um, what can you, just transition here, um, what, what can you say about students struggling with mental health? Boy, I, I would say there are people in the district that want to help. And I would say reach out. I know often we wait for people to come to us, but I think in this time where we're all on Zoom and we're socially distanced and we're not interacting, if you're not, if you're struggling, reach out to somebody, reach out to, even if it's a friend, reach out to, to a teacher that's a trusted adult at school, reach out to your counselor. Um, if, you, if you got the relationship, let your parents know. Seek the help you need uh, because we want to support. I had a parent just this past week send me an email that was really disheartening about a, uh, their, their son attempted suicide back in December. And they didn't feel like they were getting the support. So I reached out directly to the principal and I said, we need to make sure that we're supporting this family going forward. So I, if you're struggling, don't wait for somebody to reach out to you. Please, please, please reach out to somebody and, and let them know because even if you tell a friend, maybe that friend will have a connection that they can connect you with. Yeah, and anyone listening right now, we're, we're going to leave those resources in the description um, that Ken was just talking about here. So please feel free to um, look at those and please uh, talk to uh, anyone and please reach out. Um, transition again. Um, what is the legacy you want to leave on San Juan Unified School District? Um, I, I think... There are a couple of things that are important to me. I, relationships matter, and, and they, they matter uh, for students. When, when teachers build positive relationships with kids, it makes a difference. And Nanak, you may have a teacher already like that. I went into education because a teacher in middle school made a difference for me. He was, I, he was a math teacher for me, both seventh and eighth grade. He was my basketball coach, my flag football coach. He so impacted my life that he changed what I wanted to do. So I think relationships are really important and, and when I say that, we have built relationships with our bargaining partners that I hope continue long past the time that I'm not here. The work around equity, we've been doing equity work in San Juan Unified for a long time, but I think we've seen, um, we've seen growth, but we've, we've got a long ways to go. I mean, that's, that's, that's work that should never stop. Uh, but I hope that by the time I leave, we, we can see that we made a difference in, in the work around equity. And then last, I think, would just be around students and student voice. That, that like I told somebody the other day, when I leave, the next superintendent is going to have to be committed to continuing this group. Because this wasn't just about me. This was about fostering the, the power of students. And so the person better know about the SSAC, and they've got to commit to the board that they're going to continue that. Um, and so I, I think as we continue down this journey, 
student voice is going to become more and more influential in what we're doing in education. Yeah, so just, just winding down here, we have a few more questions. Um, what is the biggest problem facing our district right now? Well, I, you know, right at this moment, I would say it would be getting kids back to school and, and addressing those social emotional needs as well as learning loss. Um, and, and that's something that every day I'm dealing with that is an ongoing issue. Um, and so that, that right now is the biggest issue. But I would say that when we do return, our, an issue that we need to c continue to focus on is issues of equity. Um, you know, we saw what happened and we haven't been back since the George Floyd issue incident took place where he was, he was murdered and we, everybody got the opportunity to see that. But we have to address those issues. We have to address systemic racism that is taking place within our district. Um, and we have to become better as a system. So the immediate right now, and that's, we have to address it as we're going on. But when we come back and we're not dealing with distance learning and, you know, all of these other things, that's a focus we need to continue on. Now, I'm really glad you, you touched on that with uh, social justice issues and focusing on helping and shaping that within the schools too and making everyone feel more included. And I really like how schools have um, Black Student Union and just LGBT clubs and everything like that. I think it's really great for students to come together and all work together for the same common goal. Well, and I know, Nanak, at your school, the social justice is really, that's that's a big piece of that. And you guys are you guys are doing some amazing things with that. Yeah, there, there's been um, marches um, on Greenback that, that I've seen too. And it's, it's really great to see students really get engaged with that. And I, I love to see it. Um, here, here's a fun question for you. Uh, when you were younger, where did you expect to be compared to where you were today? Well, I, the funny thing is I remember having a conversation with someone when I was in high school. And I think I said, I'd like to be a high school principal someday. And I think it was probably around the time I was starting to coach middle school basketball. And I don't know if I said high school principal or middle school principal. But in my mind, I thought I wanted to be a principal. And... Um, I'll tell you what, probably the best job I ever had in this district was being a principal uh, because I loved interacting with the kids. I was in a middle school. I used to go out and shoot hoops with the kids. In the morning, I'd play football on the blacktop. I was all-time quarterback. You know, it was just, it was great to interact with the students like that. And so I think that's really where I thought I would end up being, would be working in education somewhere. But in my mind, the pinnacle would have been a principal. It was always within the education field, though, because you knew... You said that a teacher inspired you. What 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 grade was that? I was in seventh and eighth grade, um, and interestingly, I don't keep in touch with him frequently. But he he lives on the East Coast. But a couple of years ago, he came back out west, and I actually went and had dinner with him. So still stay in touch a little bit. But he had a big impact on my life. Awesome. And as for our our last question here, uh, what is something that you want students listening to this now to know? It can be can be anything well I you know you hit on a lot of stuff I think I wanted them to know and and Nanak, I'll tell you for your first time with this boy you're doing great you're a natural with this um, I would say that if, if you're struggling and Nanak already hit on this reach out to people okay please reach out to people um, you know we, we need to support you and, and if we're not we need to do a better job of that the other thing is I would encourage more and more students to get involved in whatever way uh, I think the last couple of years we've had over 100 kids apply for the SSAC. 
Um, they choose who's on the committee, whether it's this, whether it's at your local school, whether it's in your local community, get involved because you're making a, dis a, a huge difference. Uh, and that's really what I'd like, like them to hear. Uh, you're seeing even with this group, with this first podcast, you guys have your event going on tomorrow, which you may want to, uh, well, by the time they hear this, though, yeah. that'll be passed. But you guys are doing things to support students that we've never seen before. And, and we just need to grow that more and more. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. I really appreciate it. I know you're very busy, so just thank you so much. All right. Well, I appreciate your time, and you did a great job. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Nanak Tagore. I'd like to shout out my cameraman, Zubin Tagore, for all the work he does behind the scenes to make this show possible. Please feel free to email me or find me on Twitter or Instagram with requests for future guests, and feel free to let me know what you thought about the show. All of my info will be in the description. I'll be back here next time, and thank you for listening.